Hi everyone, this is Dave Wright and welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. I hope you're having a top week working with your players. As always, before we kick off today's discussion, a very quick review of the latest content to come out on playerdevelopmentproject.com over the last week or so. Firstly, we've published a new Q&A video on the website for coaches seeking advice on how to best organize match day. PDP technical advisor Dan Wright and I discuss a few ideas on how you can create learning objectives on the day, organize your warm-ups, and ensure continuity in your coaching approach between training and game day. Secondly, we've just published a brand new masterclass discussion with Danny Barham, Head of Analysis and Data at Birmingham City Football Club Academy. Today we share part of this conversation where Dan Wright and I co-host Danny for a conversation around video analysis, how video analysis can support individual development, some of the principles that Birmingham City apply in this area within the academy, and much more. For the full discussion, head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com and check out the Masterclass discussion section. Also, a thanks to Danny for his time, and we hope you enjoyed today's conversation. As always, look out for more great content on the website next week, and a reminder that if you haven't signed up to become a PDP member, we have monthly, annual, or club membership options available at playerdevelopmentproject.com, so you can sign up and access all of our top coaching content and the PDP Slack community to discuss ideas with coaches. Finally, if you get a chance, leave us a review, and I hope you enjoy today's conversation. Hi everyone, my name's Dave Wright and welcome to another Player Development Project Masterclass discussion. I'm delighted to be joined by Danny Barham, Head of Analysis at Birmingham City Football Club. Danny, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks Dave. How are you? Very good. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Really excited to have this conversation. Been looking forward to it for a while. Also joined by PDP Technical Advisor Dan Wright today. Dan, how are you? I'm good, thank you, mate. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, it should be very interesting. So, so Danny, thank you again for joining us. And before we, we kick off, obviously your role as Head of Academy Analysis and Data at Birmingham City Football Club. Can you tell us a little bit about your role day today and perhaps a bit of background as to how you ended up there? Yeah, so uh, my role day today is to look after the strategic planning of the department from um, ensuring the, the processes that we roll out for our own department and the coaching department are sort of underpinned with academic rigor um, and sort of tick a lot of teaching and learning boxes because we are working within a, a development environment. Um, and just a little bit about myself. So I I was here as an intern in 2013-14 season. Um, I got very lucky because we stayed up on the last day of the season. I, I ended up getting a part-time job off the back of it and I'm not sure I would have got a job if if we didn't, so I, I owe my career to Paul Caddis, believe it or not. Um, and then, yeah, I worked part-time in the analysis department and coached within the academy for two or three years. Then I, I went full-time with that position um, as, a, as, a, as a bit of a dual role between coaching and analysis. Um, in 2017, I, I worked at Tottenham for a season, um, and then my current role come up here back at Birmingham, and I've been doing this for just over, well, just coming up to a season now. So, yeah, and I'm really enjoying it. Sounds like a, a great journey. Um, what is it about analysis that you think is so valuable for players on that kind of developmental journey? What I feel analysis provides that's different to coaching is the ability to think about performance and development without the emotion that a training session might bring or a game might bring. Um, I think players and coaches, well, mainly players, but some coaches can be irrational in the, on, on the training field and 
So doing analysis-based sessions can, can provide the same teachings, obviously without the ability to practice, which is imperative. However, it allows them to do so, like I say, with, without the emotion of, of the game and be able to more thoroughly think about the learning. Mm. And we're going to get into some, some kind of deeper topics and uh, discussion. But I think um, one of the things that people might be thinking about if they're watching this or listening to this is they don't maybe have the facilities that um, professional football clubs have. So for kind of coaches that are working in that grassroots environment, what would be your advice to them or how could they use analysis if they're on, on a very small budget or have limited equipment? Yeah, so when I was at Tottenham, I actually did um, a year of to, to keep my arm into the coaching. I did a a year as a head coach at a local non-league team back home um, and we was stricken by budgets there. Um, now, again, fortunate enough for me, we the, the owner of the football club was a scaffolder so they were able to build a, a scaffold for us to film from but, I mean, we, we got um, a cheap tripod from Amazon, uh, Amazon Essentials, they're the, the relatively cheap, I think like £20 and then you can get a camera that, that will do a job for probably just under 200 pound now i understand for a grassroots club perspective that is still big money however i feel the learning benefits are there um because if you are able to show uh, the biggest the most powerful tool it was the most powerful tool i found in the success of the non-league team that we had simply because i've been in the academy environment for years and players have sort of become accustomed to analysis and maybe taking it for granted to, to a degree. However, the players that I was rolling it out with, it was fresh and it was new. And so they really, really bought into it. So I imagine that if grassroots coaches or clubs was to implement a similar sort of style, just a, a simple tripod and camera setup and find a way to show performance back to players, you can do it by uploading to a private YouTube channel and see so that no one else can see your footage, but you can just share the link out to people. Um, that that is really really powerful and 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 players do really like to see themselves back so that 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 would be my advice yeah it's really interesting danny i think we we've spoken previously at pdp on the power of self-reflection we've got some great content on the website from uh sean douglas who works at football federation australia around the power of self-reflection for coaches just to dive into that a little further when you were sort of implementing that relatively simple setup at the non-league club were you just filming practices or were coaches being filmed as well as part of their development what, what was the sort of um i guess the the real goal of the of using that equipment um i'll be honest it first and foremost it was so i was working within a first team environment um and that and there was a real big push to to get the team promoted and so it was it was a different um it was a different mission to what an academy so yeah first and foremost it was to for the players benefit however within the academy environment we do use coach analysis um to 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 allow reflection for coaches as well which mm. i found to be really really powerful yeah it certainly is there's no doubt that uh, seeing yourself coach and often hearing what you're saying on the run can be an absolute <laughs> revelation yeah yeah, well, what, we'll do, what we want to do is dive into a little bit about data and I guess frame this discussion around around the problem with data and, and the importance, I guess, of context. So a lot of the messages we've been sort of promoting at PDP in the last or in recent months and, and years has been around performance narratives seeping down into youth sport. Now, 
I think we've got to first of all differentiate between academy football and grassroots football. We've also got to look at age-specific contexts along the journey. Um, but I think there's sort of a message we've always tried to promote that football should be fun at all ages and that the performance narrative going younger and younger can be exceptionally dangerous in terms of trying to test, measure, quantify everything. So I really want to get into this discussion between the three of us here. Uh, in modern sport, there is somewhat of an obsession around data and this, this obsession with measuring things. What do you think are some of the biggest issues in this space? In particular, within an academy environment, which is where I'm probably most comfortable talking about, it's do you start from the position of having uh, an amalgamation of data and then asking questions of the data? Or is it asking the relevant questions prior and then collecting data in line with what you want to measure? So the data we analyze in the academy here will be in line with the, if it's individual data is the performance a Birmingham City individual performance and and what does that look like from and and but that isn't a I always say it's not a stick to beat people with it's it's just asking questions of performance it's not it's not saying someone's not of a standard it's more trying to measure development and then if we're in, in the same way if we're doing team data analysis it would be more in line with is was that performance a Birmingham City team performance so it, it's effectively a measure of we say this is our philosophy are we performing the philosophy and and if we are why and if we're not why and and, and that's essentially why we use it and I'm, I'm really big on that it, it's not a stick to beat and with it's not we're not pulling coaches into the office saying you know, we haven't met certain thresholds. We're not pulling players or parents and saying, your boy's not meeting the standard because of this number is below X. It's more of it's more of a reflection tool in line with the, the, the video as well because everything's got to be contextual. Um, and, and it's only one small part of of analysing the performance. It's It's not everything. You can't just solely rely on the data. So you, you, you mentioned there about the, the context. How, how do you kind of um, merge that together? So the video is obviously what happened and players and coaches and maybe even parents would look at that. But how do you integrate some context into those clips to, to help the players learn, I guess? Yeah, so, I mean, one of the big statistics that we're trying to roll out this season is around um, our ability to break the last line. Now, it, it, we sort of termed it ourselves and... I think it's used quite a lot in rugby, but it's I, I've done, I haven't seen it. Final third entries seems to be the thing that gets used in football. But just when I think about final third entries, essentially all you're doing is going past a blade of grass. It's not you, you're not really achieved anything. So uh, the real and we was when we were quantifying final third entries in the academy, we found that we have a higher higher percent, percentage of possession, high amount of final third entries, but attempts on goal and goals was was low and and how we would use to how i see we will contextualize video and data together this season would be so looking at the amount of times we broke the last line and then using the video to see what ways that we did so so was it an individual dribbling past a fullback was it two people combining to get in behind the last line was it um, an overlapping run from a fullback to get to break the last line. So there is the number of how many times did you do it, and then the video gives you the context in how did you do it. Mm. And then 
how, how would that kind of tie into maybe to individuals? So I'm thinking if, if you're working maybe with a, a winger and his uh, target is to, to break the last line with a dribble and maybe deliver a final ball or have a shot at goal. Is that how it kind of it works from a coaching into player individual kind of development angle? Um, it, it, it could do. How, we, how it looks here would be, so we're, we're quite thorough and we follow a, our coaches come up with three objectives to work on over a three-week cycle and, and we, we work kind of to a syllabus. So it's, it's coming away from a syllabus per se. Um, and so, so for, for example, Mike Dodds, who you guys know from a previous, they'll be working on breaking the last line as one of their team objectives for this cycle. And it's just quantifying how well they're doing what they're saying they're doing, if, if you're with me. So the statistics that we play because that is a big part of our philosophy, it, we're only really measuring the philosophy. We're not, we're not trying to measure anything past that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really interesting. I, th- I think just to, just to rewind a step, I mean, you, obviously you're talking a little bit about the video and also you, there, is, there are other areas that get tested and measured, whether it's the form of sports science or otherwise. Are you sort of alluding to the fact that there aren't sort of blanket measures and you very much are individualising everything in terms of the players' needs? Is that something you would definitely promote as a message from the Birmingham City Academy? 100%, because the, the long and the short of it is, in the same way that a coach has to have a grip on development from where is each player in the group that I'm working with in their development path, we have to, we have to understand that as analysts as well. So everything has to be contextual, not only to their age, but to their physical development, where they are in, in on on the spectrum of their peak height velocity, um, and and all these things are considered. Um, what, what their academic performance is like. It went. We're not. We we rolled out. Um, we rolled out something at the start of this season called the multidisciplinary player report, which we try to get a holistic overview of the players' performance and their engagement with the academy. And the statistics are from all manner of things. So even, even as things from the operations department with how far away does the boy live away from the training ground? Because if a coach doesn't know how far away from the training ground the boy lives and the boy's coming in, he's traveling 45 minutes to an hour every day to come into training and he's not performing great, that could be a variable as to why. So it's we, we, in development, there's a big emphasis on looking at reasons behind the number. And, and so we try to give as much information holistically as we can. But at the same time, it's not given as much information for the sake of giving as much information. All of the, informa- the data points are pertinent to what we feel are important to, to play development. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. And just to sort of go one question further with that on the individual um, theme, I guess, I mean, I can recall having a fairly robust conversation at a club uh, around retain and release with a certain player that was, let's say, underachieving in terms of uh, passes in the final third, which is obviously a heavily congested part of the part of the pitch, a difficult place to connect the dots when it comes to passes versus the centre-back building play, for example. In terms of individual objectives, if you've got players working on, say, taking risks in the final third, is that taken into account when providing some context? 100%. So on this multidisciplinary player report, we actually have the the learning objectives that the boy is working on. So, for example, um, why we would use that for a coach's reflective tool would be if we're saying that a boy has got taken risks in the top third of the pitch as his learning objective, and then we break down the positions that he's played 
in and he's played at centre back and left back and he's not really had up he's not really been afforded opportunities to achieve his objective are we rolling out the right the right program for that boy so it's a it's more of a reflective tool for the coaches however it would work the same with understanding from a player's perspective like you say if a boy's got that particular learning objective we can't hold him accountable for um we can't hold him accountable for for something that we're actually asking him to do mm-hmm. um I, there was a big push when i first come in from some coaches to try and to get me because i come in, in a new role head of academy analysis and data a lot of people wanted me to quantify training performance and I think that's really dangerous because we, we literally say as an academy that the, the training ground is somewhere where they, they need to express themselves. They need to they need to try and get, not try to get things wrong, but attempt to do things right, but can get things wrong to improve performance. So if we're holding them accountable to numbers on the training field, it's a contradiction of terms. We're all hypocrites as, as developers if we do that. Yeah, some, some really good insight and advice there around how important the context is in terms of what we're looking at on the given day because there's so many variables and individual objectives might be one of them. You, you've touched a little bit on the differences um, you know, and, and age-appropriate ideas a couple of times there, but if we talk about the key ingredients of successful analysis, what are some of the differences between that first team or performance context versus an academy and development environment? Um. So if we're looking at it from a, a, a data perspective, the, the anecdote I like to give is, so Vincent Company spent a lot of time injured, but he was he was a bit of a honeypot in that he he was such a good player. So whenever he was out of the team, you'd see on Sky Sports News, they would provide the win ratio of him in the team versus the win ratio of him out of the team. Now, we do quantify that on our report, but the reason we quantify it, in a first-team environment, they will quantify it for the team is more successful with this player in the team. So there's a push to get that person in the team. We would take the same statistics and how we would interpret it would be, well, if this boy's got a high win percentage ratio, then it probably suggests that he's, his games program's too easy for him and that we'd, we'd probably need to look to play him in a higher age group if possible or get more difficult opposition. Um, so again, that, that feedback loop is we would feed that into the operations department and they then may be able to get more difficult opposition for this particular age group because their games program seems to be too easy for them at the moment. So it, it's it's the same number but different context. Mm. I think something we've spoken about before was um, an idea that um, Liverpool spoke about uh, at one of the conferences I went to where they had a traffic light system for players. So individuals were having like a, a red challenge game, an amber game that they, they might win, they might lose, and a green game that they expect them to be you know, very comfortable and to take a lot of risks. And so I think all you're doing there is maybe explaining what that looks like for an individual. So rather than saying the under-15s have won 75% of their games and is that good or bad, we're saying... Dave's won eighty uh, percent of his games, and Danny's won twenty percent. Which one needs more challenge? And that might link into personality. It might link into their growth and maturation. It might link into their position. So then you're kind of tailoring that games program, and maybe even the training program to to get that kind of stretch and challenge uh, that for every individual. Is that is that kind of how you're seeing that? It, exactly that, and and it's so important. It has to be individualised. I mean, piecing these reports together, it would be easy to be a first team analyst, I, I imagine, because I have to understand the dynamic of boys have get mixed games programs. They could be playing. Uh, there could be a fifteen playing down into the fourteen because he's physically undermaturated. There could be an under twelve that's playing up two age groups, and I have to account for that in in all areas of of the reporting because 
it, it's so it's so variant you can't everyone's program has to be different and if we're going to quantify things i need to be able to consider that and, and make sure that my methods are reflective of that I think that I think that's a fascinating story and like something we could probably go really, really deep into and, and ties a lot into the, the PDP message. Um, kind of going along a similar theme, how can coaches um, use an analysis or how can analysis support a coach um, with a, a similar kind of story to the one you've just told? Um, my, my understanding of how I think coaches should best serve, uh, no, analysts should best serve coaches is I think I've got a big bug there that I think I feel that a lot of analysts in the country and we're trying to get away from it uh, are just trying to accommodate. So they have to work really closely with the coach and, and a lot of environments coach is seen as king. And so we, it, we have to be able to challenge, not just accommodate what the coach is, is saying. So we can't just come up with analysis that fits the narrative that the coach is trying to push at that time. We, we have to actually challenge thought as well. I think the biggest thing, the biggest skill for the modern day analyst, I believe, is having the strength of character and belief in what they do to be able to actually go and challenge coaches' thinking as well as just accommodate coaches' thinking. It's really, really difficult. Um, in terms of where analysis is as a discipline, so if you look at sports scientists, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, if a team lost a game and the coach was feeling emotional about the game, they would go, right, everyone's in tomorrow. We're doing laps around the pitch and we're running. Um, I Now, sports science as a discipline has got enough academic rigour and enough challenging ability to be able to go to the coach. No, 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 that's not best practice. We're not doing that. However, I still see an analysis. Team loses on a Saturday, Monday morning, everyone's in and then watching back the full 90 minutes. And that is the equivalent of doing laps around the pitch from an analysis perspective, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, again, I'm, my challenge is to challenge my staff. And, and I want to challenge the, the discipline of analysis broadly to, to be able to, how do we become experts in that field and, and back ourselves to be able to challenge coaches thinking around their practices and, and, and ask the question, are we doing this for you or are we doing it for the players? That, that's 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 what I want to do. So, mm. I think that that um, that story that watching ninety minutes of a game is similar to laps is is really powerful because you're you're definitely going to turn people off with analysis. Then aren't you? They're going to associate video as when they've made mistakes, and then we get to sit there and watch them again. And then the coach might embarrass us in front of our mates. So then, if if analysis says, "Do you want to do a little individual clips, or do you want to go through fifteen minutes?" They're going to say, "No, thanks," because you know that's a lot of negative memories. Um, yeah. I, I suppose that the next obvious question is that how could you use analysis to, to help individuals then, and how can you? How does the what is the role of an analysis analysis to, to to work with those individuals? I'm really fortunate in my role that I get to strategically plan for the department, and I don't actually work with a team week to week. So, like I said, I'm, I'm able to make sure that our processes follow some real academic rigor. And, and my, my girlfriend's a teacher, so we te talk all about teaching and learning theory, which is very boring. We do, we do have fun conversations <laughs> as well. Um, but, so I make sure that a lot of our processes are underpinned by, by academic underpinning. Now, our individual process, how it works is our cycles work on nine weeks and our players have individual learning objectives for a one nine-week cycle. So we 
we the coach and the player will agree on a priority objective for them. So of them four objectives that they have, what is the most pertinent one for you to, to improve on? And what we say is for that over that nine week block, um, from an individual perspective, that player will just focus on that one individual objective and and that allows them to really narrow their focus and that's done for two reasons because if you narrow the focus of learning it is it becomes more pertinent to you and and you're able to focus more and 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 go into more depth into it and and hopefully you actually get some results out of it um the flip side of that is i i'm also i've got this big understanding around you know the sports scientists are asking the players to fill in rpes and the education department want them to bring homework to, um, to day release sessions. So if we're asking too much of the players, then again, it becomes too much. So we we want to make sure that we're able to maximise learning, but also we're not demanding too much from them. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.